I'm Jim. Ocean Empire here, and this is Kevin Gunn. That's where Kevin Gunn says hi. <laughs> so. We're at number three here, so it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, episode number third. three, yeah. We're going to kind of follow up a little bit on some of the stuff we touched on, which in episode two was a checklist. So if you're wondering why you clicked on this or why you're watching this, this it's because we cover real estate investing, and that's much different than buying property to flip, buying property to hold on to just for appreciation. This is actually really pushed towards short-term rental income. Yes. Is that that's yeah, what I put it? Absolutely. What's uh, what is the difference, you know, between a long-term and a short-term rental? Well, I think that when you start getting into, you know, going back to our checklist, you know, part one of the things that I said we do is we're going to we're going to have a conversation about what your goals are. And based on what those goals are, that's going to determine which route we're going to take here. You know, obviously, full disclosure, as we know, I, I specialize in more short term. That's that's what I invest in. That's what I manage for my clients. Um, but that doesn't mean I disclude, you know, long term because that might be better for your portfolio. So it's important to know the difference as far as what you're getting with both. And that's a little market driven, too. Because yes. this market short term is a strong market. If you're in the middle of Oklahoma, well, probably it, don't want to go short term. <laughs> no, you want a five year lease. If you, you want a good, get. yeah, you want a nice long term tenant. Um, so yes, it is market driven. You know, so here along the Grand Strand in the Myrtle Beach, in the Florida, you know, parts of North Carolina mountains, Tennessee. You know, we wherever you have vacationers. Short term is most likely going to present it's a higher yield to you because it also has higher risk, right? It, you know, um, any like anything, all investments have risk. But whenever you see that you're going to get a higher return, you have to almost accept the fact that there is higher risk with this yeah. investment. Yeah, everything's earned. Yes, if exactly. It's easily yeah. earned. It's probably safe. It's a Fortune 500 yeah. stock. If it's Crypto, well, you never know. Yeah, it yeah, might be yeah. here today, gone tomorrow. Exactly. Millionaire one day, yeah. you know, poor so, next. What is the number one difference that someone really needs to consider when they're, when they're thinking about real estate investing? What's the one, I guess, thing that someone comes to you expecting and they're incorrect or they, they have a misunderstanding of it because they don't know the difference? I'd say it's cash flow versus appreciation. And I always tell my clients, like if when you're going to invest in real estate, invest for one of those things. Don't expect both. It's great when we get both. And honestly, you probably will no matter, you know, what you invest in. But at the end of the day, I always say, you know, either you're investing for cash to come in that you can use or you're investing for appreciation where you're gonna play the long game, right? You might refi it after five years, you might pull equity out of it, you know, to go purchase another one. So you have to understand what what it is that you're actually looking to do with it. What is the difference? Because it, by simple definition, flipping a home yeah. and a short-term rental, both are, Kind of the same thing, or no? No, no. I wouldn't. I would not say that at all. Actually, because with a flip, to me, with a flip, the risk is even higher. Um, now the returns can be great, but I've also seen many people who flip properties 
that don't quite know what they're doing. They just they start estimating. Well, I can fix this for thirty thousand, and I can sell it and make another it'll thirty. Me, it'll, it'll take, take me two me weeks. Thirty minutes with commercial breaks. Cause, yeah, because <laughs> I watched HGTV and I saw them do it, and you know. But the reality is, the successful flippers out there. That in itself is a science. You have to have a team in place. You have to understand your costs. Um, you have to do a complete ARV evaluation. That's after repair value, right? You got to say, here's what I'm paying. Here's my holding cost while I'm renovating it. Here's my renovation cost. Here's what I'm going to sell it for. And then here's my costs after I sell it. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, as where short term is more, you know, and you're going to make a big chunk of change quickly. That's the goal with flipping, right? You're going to, you're going to go do something and make to, you know, my opinion, if you're not making at least 30, 40 grand, you shouldn't even do it. But then you can take that and put it into something else. That, but That sounds like a short term rental, you know, because it's, you're hoping to do it, you know, before you have to make that first mortgage payment. But it's not. That's something completely different. Yeah, it's a different skill set. It requires different um, specialties and personnel. So with short-term rentals, you know, you're still going to hold a short-term rental property for a long period of time. When I say long, it's up to you, you know, three, five, 10 years. But again, you're looking for with a short-term rental is like my, my holding cost is X, my rental is Y. The difference is what I'm keeping every year, okay. right? And, you know, and that's probably not going to be the same as a flip, like I said, on a flip, if done correctly, you're looking at making a large sum of money very quickly and then pushing that back into another investment if you're trying to avoid paying taxes. Um, as we're with a short term, it's a drip, right? It, it's I'm getting money every month in and um, it, that exceeds my holding cost on the So short term rentals are a short term game, but it's not a uh, turn and burn kind of a short term game. Typically not. You okay. know, I mean, there, I'm not going to lie. There's been times where I found the right property and I'll rent it for a little bit and then put, flip it at the same time. And in, in, so to speak, you can do that. But that's not the norm. The norm for me is to find the right property in the right building that I know that I can hold for a while and that it's going to continuously make me money every year. So the idea of, well, I'm going to pick up this rental. I'm going to on the beach. I'm going to rent it for the season, make all the money and then sell it in the fall and doesn't work. Make all this money off of it. No, it doesn't not going to happen. It doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work the way you just described it too, is because we, you have to take in the seasonality of, of not just the rental market here, but the selling and buying season for rental for these types of properties. And if you think you're going to make all your money in the summer and then sell it in the fall, here's the problem. Everybody else is trying to sell it in the fall too. So that all of a sudden the values go down. So while in logic it's good, it doesn't quite so work. So what that you way. assess it at in May will not be what you're going to sell it for in October. No, no. <laughs> you know, and but but understanding the ebbs and flows of not just the rental market but the valuation market for these two is very important because, you know, for example, I always tell my my investors like, look, if you are going to sell, if it is in your, you know, if it's in your plan, like I'm unloading this property this year. I know exactly when we need to list it, when we're going to get the most money for it. Uh, and I know it's going to appraise because I know that the 95, the masses uh, are all buying 
at that time, right? I'm a big believer if 95% of people are doing something, you should be doing the opposite. And and this goes falls right in line with it. We, we just saw it. We just came out of that season here where all these oceanfront properties are going under contract and the values are going up, 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 up. But now the slow season starts to come and in order to get rid of them now, now the prices have to come down. People, You can have one investor that has 10 properties in a building offload them all and completely change the valuation of an entire building. And this is why it does not behave the way residential does. As where residential is already far surpassed 2008 crash levels, Oceanfront is not. Um, and, And there's a reason for that. One, it's the sheer number of these units that we have. And two, the fact that it can be so easily manipulated by one person almost. You know, I have actually swayed values in a building before. It's not hard to do, but you. But there's a short time frame that you can do it. Right. It's it. it if you're looking at another reason that you, someone would want to consider the difference between a, a misconstrued difference between short and long term rentals, is there is there something else that people miss the boat on that they come in thinking? Yes, one thing? I have so many people that honestly will say to me, "Well, I don't want to rent mine short term because renters will damage it." The fur, it couldn't be further from the truth. Actually, short-term rentals are easier to maintain than long-term rentals. And, and here's the reason. A lot of people think that seems counterintuitive, but it's not really. If you think about it logically, right, when you have a short-term rental uh, and on average, say, for example, a one-bedroom, I'm going to have 80 turns a year. That's my average. Well, that's 80 times that a cleaner's been in there, an inspector's been in there. Uh, you know, so taking care of things, if something's broken, we charge the guests that broke it as opposed to long-term where you got somebody that went in there for a year, two years, they made it feel like home, right? They, they put pictures up on the walls. They, they did, a, there's a lot of things that they did. You know, they might not have changed the filters in the AC one time, right? So there's a lot of things that happen. I have walked into long-term rentals and just been amazed at how much work it's going to take just to get it sellable. It's like a fleet maintained vehicle. Yeah. If it, it's, it's, it, it really has is. a full-time mechanic. It has a full-time, yes. wa- someone's washing it every week. It's yep. vacuumed out every week. It, you know, the oil's changed on a regular that's basis. That's a great analogy, but that's really yeah. what it is. It, it really is. I mean, we are in there all the time. And this is why even in off season, a lot of people will say, well, let's try to get monthly renters. I'm actually opposed to that. I don't like it. I I prefer to get two or three people in there where my cleaners have been in two to to three times. So we see what's going on. Because when you let people come in, even on oceanfront or anything for two months, three months, they start to change stuff, you know, uh, and, and that's not what you want in short term. You want in, out, cleaners in, out, and, and just, it's a machine. It's like a well-oiled machine, and it, that's the way it has to operate. Well, this, is, this question isn't as much a comparison between short and long term, but I think it's a common thing. When, and you, you kind of started, you kind of brought it into the conversation with, well, I'm going to buy this, but I'm going to stay every 4th of July, I'm, you know, and the holidays, we're going to use it. We'll run it out the rest of the year. Is that something people think they're going to do and then quickly realize that's not a good idea? Is yeah, it because 4th of July week can be 10% of your annual revenue. So I would always highly recommend you not do that. <laughs> but um, people do it though. I mean, look, that the part of the the enjoyment of having a short-term rental is the fact that you can use it right. as opposed to a long-term, you know, you can't just go in and tell the guy, Hey, I want it for the weekend. <laughs> I'm going to use the pool this yeah, weekend. Can I use the pool today? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, that's the great thing about short-term rentals is we have these things and, and we, they are at our disposal. Like when you have, you know, I have family that comes into town. I have units. I can put them in there. You know I mean? Uh, 
you know, I'm not staying in my own units here. I live here, but you know, me and my wife were looking in Puerto Rico, right? So, the, you know, yes, it's going to be an income-producing property, but at the end of the day, it's where she's from. We want to go down there. We use it. You know, so that is that's one of the advantages of short term as well as you do have that flexibility to use it. All I do is try to educate people on probably not best to use it June through August because you're going to make most of your money in those three months. Right. And most of my investors know that and most of them will say, hey, block it off in like October, November to come down from the northeast or wherever they are because it's still warm here and. You know they'll use it. In, they'll use it strategically. And you'll you'll find too if that's the way you want to use your property, the best time to be here is when school's still in session. You know because there's less people at the beach. It's a little easier to get the most out of your stay. Really, is. October is the most yeah. beautiful month here. Yeah. I, be, I believe. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, what what else is something that you would point out that maybe isn't uh, something people misunderstand about short and long term, but something they should know something they should consider? Is it, you know, tax implications? Is it? Uh... I don't know. There's so much. I mean, obviously, that's something to, to always discuss with your accountant, um, you know, but there are there are rules and little benefits that to short term rentals that are out there. For example, uh, the Augusta rule. Most people don't even know what that is. What that states is that I can actually rent out my properties to myself tax free for two weeks out of the year. Right. Um, so that's like a nice little perk that you get to yourself. And I could do a whole podcast on that, you know, on a whole bunch of these little things that, you know, uh, depreciation and things like that, that you get to take on short term to, to a, probably a, a, a better degree than you could. Because in a residential long term, you're not furnishing the entire place. Well, in a short term, I'm, furn I'm furnishing an entire unit. That's all depreciable too, right? You can depreciate that. There's, so there's a lot of ways to limit your tax liability with short term. Um, you know, but you can leverage it the same way you can use long. A lot of people that do long-term rentals, they're looking for depreciation, right? So they're going to leverage it at some point where they have somebody else paying their mortgage down. They have equity in it. They're going to pull it out at some point, maybe go do another one. You can do that with short-term as well. It's just trickier. You've got to understand the market and how it works here, like when you want to go do those types of things. Okay. Is there is there anything in terms of market indicators or, or that a lot, you know, when is it, is there a right time to go long-term as opposed to short-term and vice versa? Absolutely. Um, in my opinion, this would be the worst time to go into long-term, right? We just had a huge uh, rise in valuations, right? And what, we, what we're seeing right now is that the rise in the valuations of homes, well, the rents can't meet that, right? We can't just start where homes are now $100,000, $150,000 more than they were six months ago. Well, you know, you can't just go jack up the rents 30, 40%, all right? It doesn't work that way. Um, you have to understand the market that you're in and what the threshold is for, for what people are willing to pay for a property. To me, the long-term play is always after a market correction, when there's a market correction, uh, then I would suggest people go in and look at the long-term rental market, you know, pretty much get it on sale. That's what you're always looking to do. Um, Short-term doesn't behave quite that way here. Uh, we don't really have the fluctuations because again, our values don't, don't, we haven't seen the oceanfront values go up as high as we have seen the residential values. So with short-term, it's still more of a seasonal thing. And it's more about timing more than anything, um, but that's timing on a yearly basis, not so much waiting, you know, eight years, you know, the average market correction is actually 13 years, right? So last one was in 2008. If you do the math, 
and I'm not predicting anything here. <laughs> so please don't say, don't, please don't, don't hold me to Kevin. that. Yeah. Don't blame Kevin. Um, but you know, we, we, it's the average. So here we are 13 years later, right? So we just had this huge rise in valuations. Now, do we feel like it's going to actually correct? Well, you have to know what a correction is. First of all, a lot of people think correction, they mean, they actually think crash. Crash is not a correction. A correction just means the rate of growth slows down to a normal pace, right? But it doesn't mean that the values go down. So, you know, and within our market here too, with long-term, you have to think, uh, you know, I have this where I live here. I live in market common area of, of Myrtle Beach. We have a lot of people that want to buy in there and rent it out as an investment. But these houses start in the three dollars $400,000 range. Well, when you start adding the numbers up, the debt, you know, if, if you are using debt, you know, so you have a mortgage and you got your property taxes and all this stuff. And, and then when you say what you can actually rent it for, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're for, talking New York City rates at that point. Exactly. I mean, and is it really worth holding the property to make a hundred bucks a month or break even? You know, AC breaks, you just lost your money for three years. I mean, so, I mean, you have to think about that. Whereas if we were to go to Carolina Forest, could I find better deals? Yes, I could, right? Based on what you can rent it for and what the and what the value of the properties are. So yeah, I mean, location is, is everything with, I think with long-term rentals, um, we have a university here. That's a, you know, obviously yep, if somebody, that, yeah, if somebody episode, wants yeah. to look long-term, I'm always going to say be next to a university or hospital. If you can, um, those are always going to be your better bets. Well, I think the long of the short is <laughs> there's a difference between long-term rentals, short-term rentals and home flipping. You know, there's, different risk, there's different return, there's different time frames, there's different expectations, there's there's all sorts of things you need to consider, but you need to understand that they are different. And that often can be going back to the checklist from our last episode. What are you looking to get out of your real estate investment? What is your real estate portfolio going to look like? And which one do you start with? Which one do you double down on? How does that look for you? And if you didn't listen to the last episode, jump back, listen. We run through kind of a checklist on is this right for you? And if you will put the link in here as well for that checklist. And there's a follow-up that we're going to send you via email that will give you a worksheet after you run through that checklist. It doesn't disqualify you from investing. It just lets you kind of understand better which where you're at in that process and we're going to try to kind of push you along to with the steps to alter what you're expecting, correct where your current position is so that you can make a good educated decision and start off on the right foot and, and make some money in this business. Uh, nobody wants to lose money. It can happen. It is investing. <laughs> Whatever disclaimer legalese needs to go right here. It's there. Uh, you know, always talk to you know your accountant, professional. You know, it, there's risk involved. But the best thing you can do is educate yourself. And that's what this Ocean Empire is here to do for you guys. So, Kevin, you got any parting words? Or you pretty much just want to tell everybody, check, check us out next week? Yeah, I mean, check us out next week. We're going to, you know, have another episode out. Uh, if you have any other questions, don't ever hesitate. Ocean Empire Realty on Facebook. Uh, you can get me on Instagram as well. Direct message me. But we're pretty quick to respond. And, uh, you know, it's a journey. And we, we, you know, our job here is to help our clients feel comfortable making that purchase and taking that final step to becoming an investor. So really hopefully we'll guide you through this process. There'll be a podcast 
vlog out every week on YouTube and on your typical iTunes, Stitcher, uh, you know, wherever you can find a podcast. We're going to make sure you can get this. And we'll have a website right about this episode launching specifically for this podcast. We're going to have a lot of resources there. If it's already, it'll be right here somewhere. Here, maybe here. I don't know. It'll definitely be below. If not this week, next week. So check it out. Feel free. Drop us a line. Subscribe. Comment. Like. Share. Tell a friend. Phone a friend. Uh, let us know how we're doing because we're doing this to help you guys. So let us know. See you guys. All right. That was twenty minutes.